Get up! You can do it! Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How is everyone doing? And tonight we are joined again by recent, uh, uh, recent repeat guest, uh, Ray. What's going on, buddy? Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it was... We had a huge, uh, had a huge gap between his the third and fourth or the second and third episode with Ray. And now we're like one exactly like maybe one month later, a little over right. a month later. About. <laughs> yeah. You were on uh, what were we going to talk about? I forget. Nightmare. Uh, yeah. Nightmare. That's right, that's right. And then before that was uh, Will Smith. That was, was your first. Oh, and George Romero. Was, yeah. George Romero was second. Right. That's right. Yeah. The, uh, the infamous Monkey Shines episode, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure Ray has watched at least once a month since then. Oh, yeah, religiously. <laughs> so, as you should know, then, we if you've been following along, we are doing the best of the decade, and uh, we are one year closer to uh, the present day, which uh, this time we're doing 2015. Um, I do have to say, right off the bat, before we get any further... We, I re-listened to, as my wife and I went on a little bit of a trip to one of our friend's houses last night, and it was about an hour or so away. So she threw on the podcast and all that. We listened to uh, the 2013 episode with uh, Max on it. Now, on that episode, we, at the time, were going off of rumors. And we erroneously claimed that Chris Evans was the sexiest man alive. Now, we know better than that today because there is the official announcement that's been made and that was Paul Rudd is now the sexiest man alive. So all of our comments about getting turned on by meeting Chris Evans in person are a little bit less than they should be now because he's well, not Well, I, I think we said, did we say reigning? Uh, did we say former sexiest man alive? Or did we just we say, said sexiest current man? sexiest man alive. We were going by the, uh, the, the internet rumors as opposed to- Well, Paul Rudd. Congratulations, you're now the sexiest man alive. That's right. Yeah, we uh we won't be talking. We can well we might mention him at least uh once tonight, but uh we're not officially talking about him. But uh yeah, so that's okay. So the corrections department is uh now closed. We will get on with more uh false information, misinformation, and lies. Uh we'll get through our regular episode with those. But um now we're gonna be talking about it's two episodes since then, so now we're talking about 2015. And um, Ray wanted us to discuss the Vovovich. Uh, <laughs> Mike wanted us to discuss uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And since Mike stole my pick, I decided I wanted to do Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. So we're going uh, to get some good ones tonight. But um, before we get into any of that, we got to discuss what we're drinking. So, Ray, what do you have? I have the Leaves Turn Nut Brown Ale from Ghost Hawk Brewing in Clifton, New Jersey. Nice. That's actually that's where you went to on your first episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good brewery, and there's a distillery right next door, um, Silk City, Silk City Distillery, and yeah, with some pretty leaves, and we're gonna do a nice pop for you. There you go, beautiful. Oh, that's good. That's really yeah. good. Nice, nice. I haven't had this one yet. 
Nice. It's got a cool name too, Ghost Hawk Brewing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, so Mike, what do you got? All right, so this one's going to be a bitch and a half for uh, mentioning in the uh, mentioning for the description. Judging by the, the can, I think I know what one you got. <laughs> so I went with Friendsgiving, yep. which is a collaboration. It's the 2021 version. I think you did one last year. I did the 2020 version last year. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's a charity beer, um, and five different breweries. It looks like are. Oh collaborating you have kate may brewing you have source farmhouse brewery you have double nickel brewing you have tonewood brewing and you have urban village uh urban village brewing company i was trying to read the fine print under the big urban village (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah charity beer all proceeds go to local charities uh it's collaborate i think that is the official uh like blanket company that makes it collaborate it's a seven percent hazy ipa and first sip yeah oh he's got his chalice this time so it's not like anywhere near as bitter as you might think for a hazy ipa it's actually really refreshing i was not expecting that um i really like it yeah i remember yes i am i am drinking out of my metal chalice tonight because because of the Vivovich, um, it seemed more appropriate to have my silver cup. <laughs> right. That's something that the king would have banished you for. Well, you would have well, gotten yeah. kicked out of the commune for. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, likewise, I went with, I went with, I actually went with a different brewery that I, I don't think, yeah, I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. I went with uh, Devil's Creek Brewing, which is uh, in Collingswood. And um, right now I'm starting off with their uh, caramel apple. Uh, it's a brown ale and it tastes like, it kind of tastes like a, um, like a dark beer caramel apple. Like it doesn't really taste quite like a caramel apple, but it's not quite a, a beer either. It's uh, interesting. It's very good though. It's very dark, kind of looks like Coke, but um, it's very good. And of course, you know, Devil's Creek, I picked because the Vovovich is all about the devil, um, <laughs> who we will discuss in Black Phillip, the goat, a.k.a. Cowboy Jack Sparrow, a.k.a. Um, just the, the worst pet to ever have. But uh, before we get into that, before we get on, we have to discuss just in general the year of 2015 in movies. And unlike 2014, it's it's a little better. Like there's, there's a lot more uh, good than there is awful. So I didn't love, it might be, I didn't love 2015 movies that much outside of franchises. Cause there's a decent amount of solid franchise movies, but like Spectre's the worst of the bonds of the, uh, of the Daniel Craig bonds. I would say Spectre's the worst. Quantum of Solace is the worst. That one doesn't even have a plot. <laughs> um, Spectre, at least they tried something. I, Fifty Shades of Grey came out this year. Uh, the best movie um, of the year. The Martians, fine. Hey, yeah, Martians, okay. So 2015, outside of um, outside of franchises, the only movie I can say that I loved from 2015 was Man Max Fury Road. Oh, it's, it's by far the best movie of the year. Like, it is phenomenal. 
just from uh, beginning to end, that movie rules. Another another pick of mine from 2015 was The Revenant. I thought that was. <laughs> I know, I know. Mike told me that you didn't want to. I see you shaking your head. I saved I Ross from that. I I advised Ray against it. If Jr. was on this week, um, he oh, would have ignored. <laughs> Uh, JR would have ignored Ross's pleas and would have picked The Revenant because it's like one of his favorite movies. <laughs> and the first third of this episode would have just been me hating everything involving that movie. <laughs> well, I, I did you a favor. so Yes, thank you, Ray. I appreciate of course. that. Of course. But, but um, yeah, 2015 was, uh, I would say, like a pretty franchise-heavy year. Oh, yeah. Because it started, like you said, Fifty Shades of Grey. We have a lot of Marvel movies in 2015. We have uh, speaking of which we get paul rudd sexiest man alive in yes. ant-man yes <laughs> i completely forgot that that was 15 like for some reason i was thinking i was 16 i was thinking that was 16 as well but dr strange is the interest is like the right n- the added character for 16 yeah but uh i mean we also because we also got uh ultron was obviously the yeah. big the big one of that year and then um yeah. the best picture for that year was spotlight which I believe we talked about, I think, last week or the other week. Um, yeah, we talked about it last week because we said it is the much better of the two Michael Keaton best back-to-back best pictures. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fuck Birdman. Speaking of The Revenant, you know, that fucking asshole. But um, then the, the Razzie winner was actually a tie because uh, they couldn't decide between the Fantastic Four reboot um, or Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, like apparently, the Razzies thought they were both equally as bad. When um, I would say that the first that the last half of that Fantastic Four movie is god awful, but the first half is actually attempting something until you can tell when Fox or Sony or whoever stepped in and was like, "No, superhero movie," and they're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> no, superhero movie," and then it just goes off the rails and is god awful. That one movie that ever my coworker said might have been my favorite movie if I had seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Is Sicario? Good. It's a good movie. I I did enjoy that one. That that he said that is the movie that might change my mind about 2015 because I was not high on this year for movies, right? Yeah, and then of course there was uh, I mean the Hateful Eight came out this year, which I'm I enjoyed, but like it's weird. It's one of those like Tarantino movies where it's like it's not it's a good movie, but it's not fast enough. Like it needs it's to have a little bit more. Of a- of- it's on the lower half of Tarantino movies for me. Yeah, it just it needs they, to have a little bit more of a speed to it. It's just too slow to get going, you know. And they, yeah, Tarantino really went with a lot of long shots with wide duration, you know, wide shots, long duration. Yeah, and uh, I understand that's the mystique of being in the the West in the desolate winter, but uh, you could cut like an hour from that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and most of that movie is essentially the Revenant when it's in the winter time you know it's like it's it's for some reason there was the same same shit different act different directors but like it's a lot of you know old it's in the west it's when shit was like unlivable conditions for human beings yet they managed to survive somehow but um of course i'll take the hateful eight over revenant any day of the week even if it's like that extended tv show version that's on netflix right now where it's like eight episodes as well but it's like the uncut version of the movie or something like that i haven't it's all it's been on my list since it popped up but i haven't had the uh the guts or the time to actually want to try to get through it you know but um yeah it was solid, had, pretty solid disney 
input from Inside Out. Uh, I think Inside Out is one of the more solid recent Disney movies. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. And of course, we all know what are the happy hour films version of that would be the spinoff of that would be yeah. came up with splooge was going to be the uh the spinoff of that where it's from the point of view of the sperm of a guy jerking off in the back of a theater <laughs> um but again like franchises you have furious seven you have jurassic world Ugh. um you have previous marvel <laughs> <laughs> um so a movie that i found interesting you also have a hunger games movie this year um, we still haven't movie- mentioned the big one though from this year, which was Star Wars Force Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That was the big one of this year. Um, or you know, a New Hope rehashed. Yeah, yeah, New <laughs> Hope. <laughs> yes, we did. Me and Ray did go see that in the theaters. Yeah, I had one of my worst uh, in theater experiences watching that because my wife and I went out to dinner with my cousin and his wife and then we were like hey let's go to the movies so let's see that my cousin's a huge Star Wars fan you know he's he grew up with the 76 Star Wars and all that and so we went to unfortunately we went to Lowe's and Cherry Hill which for anybody who knows that theater is just a walk-in pick your seat theater it's not a assigned seating it's not like recliner chairs it's like old school stadium seating you're it's it's the old caveman way of seeing a movie and so we're like whatever it's fine we so we sat in the it's back it's not that way anymore i don't think because i kind of i think i went to a movie there recently and we had to reserve seats and stuff well that's good we had well, at, least, at least they made it watchable now at least an experience worth doing but at the time in 2015 it was still the old school way so we sit in the back and we're sitting there there's a seat open next to me and the movie kind of starts and this kid comes in and i say kid because it couldn't have been more than 16 he's got and ear, he's got his earbud, uh, earbuds in. He's got earbuds in, but yet the volume is still so loud. You can hear it like throughout the theater. He sits right fucking next to me. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen, is it? Like this kid just, he's going to realize he's in a movie theater. He's going to turn it off and he's going to be cool, right? No, of course not. Because then he gets a phone call and he's like talking on the phone and I'm looking at him and people are turning around looking at him like, what the fuck is your problem? And I even nudged him. I said, dude, can you turn that off? We're trying to watch the movie. And he gives me this look like, whatever, grandpa. And I was like, dude, turn off the movie or I'm going to become that guy. And I'm getting an, an usher or a manager. And he's like, whatever. Then his buddy next to him, like elbows him. He's like, dude, he's going to get the manager. Get the fuck out of here. So he goes and leaves. We're good for like 20 minutes of the first part of the movie. Then he comes back and he's now got the headphones are gone. And his phone is just on speakerphone. <laughs> so he sits right back down and acts like nothing happened again. And the, like the first thing I do is look right at him. I go, dude, get the fuck out or I'm going and getting the manager. And his buddy at this point is even like, dude, we got to go. And like kind of grabs him and drags him out. And as he goes by, the kid just goes, well, what the fuck is your problem, dude? And I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> um, am I going to have to murder a teenager tonight? <laughs> this is not how I want this night to end. <laughs> so he goes out, and of course... Don't kid yourself. We all know you're pro-cannibal. <laughs> well, I would, yeah. Would, do I have to eat a child tonight? Like, I, I would. I would have... This is the one person that it, what would warrant being eaten in public, you know? So the rest of the movie goes by. It's fine. It's perfectly watchable. It's perfectly a new hope for 2015, whatever. So we go to leave. And of course, this kid and the, the way the Lowe's is sitting, the way the, the lobby is going towards the front where the tickets are and towards the front door is just normal. But on the back side of it, there's like at the time there were arcade games and this kid's just sitting on one of the arcade games 
like one of the, like the bike um, California racer kind of games, whatever. He's sitting on the motorcycle part. And he's just like out loud having the loudest conversation I've ever heard in my life. And it's, it's like, wait, you've been out here for two hours. Why even go to the movies? You know, what are you possibly doing here? You obviously didn't give a shit about seeing Star Wars. You know, where did George Lucas pay you to buy a ticket? You know, <laughs> like what, why are you at the movies? You asshole. So uh, after that experience, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to a theater again that does not let me reserve my seats and does not let me pick my seat ahead of time. You know, that kind of weeds out the dickhead experience in the theater. And I will forever love the gentrification of movies by doing that, you know? (laughs) That that kid had no movie etiquette. No, I mean, he had no no social (laughs) etiquette. I mean... (laughs) Did you ever see the episode of South Park where Cartman walks up on speakerphone and he's having the conversation and Kyle's like, will you not have that on speaker and have the conversation elsewhere? And Cartman's like, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Kyle's eavesdropping on me again. Right. (laughs) That's that's exactly like how this dude felt. But I mean, the only thing that like saved this kid was his buddy. His buddy wasn't even like looking at me like, well, I'm the asshole. No, he was looking at his friend like you're being a complete piece of shit right now, you know? And I was like, at least that kid gets it, you know? And he, to his credit, you know, came back at one point after walking his buddy out, came back and sat down and watched the movie, you know, he was good. So I, I, but again, he's like, I picture that kid being like that guy in the group of friends where it's like, we all, we're always apologizing for that guy, you know? (laughs) But yeah, so that was my Force Awakens experience with that. And it, it's weird because, you know, I have another experience with Last Jedi, which we'll get into when we get to, I think, 18 or whatever that movie came out. But uh, it's a much funnier experience because one of our friends ruined the movie for us beforehand by doing a Kylo Ren impression. <laughs> and every time he popped on screen, that's the only thing we could think of. <laughs> but also, we'll save that for uh, a couple weeks from now. But of course, so like, we've also like speaking of franchise, we also got Taken Three like yeah. this year, like that was already there. We got Ted Two, Hot Tub Time Machine Two, Paul Blart Mall Cop Two, Pitch Perfect Two. We have sequels to movies that do not need sequels, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a year of very much of sequels. Now, one original movie that I want to bring up that I didn't particularly like for the most part, except for, like, two scenes, but those two scenes saved the whole movie, was Legend, starring Tom Hardy. Is that... That's not the one where he plays his twin brother, yeah, is it? Yeah, he plays two characters. He plays twin <laughs> brothers. Well, what a year for fucking Tom Hardy, then, because yeah. he's obviously Mad Max. He's in The Revenant, and which is basically, like, the past Mad Max, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But then, of course, and he's also in Peaky Blinders. That is right. Is was was that that year though? Because that show's been out for a little while. I it would it like ran for like six or seven seasons. And yeah, still, yeah. I think the final season's like coming up whenever they get back to you know producing it, whatever. But, but yeah, um, hell of a year for Tom Hardy. Yeah, you know, Legend Legend I think is actually kind of boring a lot of the way through. Tom Hardy's giving a good performance, but I think it's pretty boring. Except for they get into a fight scene in a diner, and uh, at Reggie, who is like the boss, he's like the brother that's like the boss, goes in and he's talking to uh, he's talking to the rival gang, and he's like, "It's not going to be a fair fight, is it?" Because there's like six of them there. He's like, "I hope you don't mind if I use these." Pulls up uh, brass knuckles. 
And he's like, before we start, I've got a joke for you. Paranoid schizophrenic walks into a bar because the other twin is a paranoid schizophrenic. And you see Tom Hardy walk in with two hammers and you just start bashing people over the head with them. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a punchline. Oh, oh. (laughs) And the, the pre, like, the twins walk in together initially, but the the uh, paranoid schizophrenic twin walks out because he's mad that they didn't bring guns because he wanted a proper shootout. <laughs> the, the guy has like a metal pole. He's like, the fuck is that? It's a fucking rolling pin. You're going to bake me a cake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But now, like I'm looking at the other list, like speaking of more twos, we have Magic Mike XXL. Uh, right. Then we have... Let's see. We'll see if we get the count number five of the Terminator franchise. This is when we had Terminator Genesis. Yeah. This is when we tried to jump back and ignore T3, I believe, is what we ignored in that situation because Salvation technically hadn't happened yet. Um, but yeah, so we're we're ignoring T3 in that situation. But that movie sucks. But like, of course, then we have the Point Break remake, which is yeah. one of the most botched remakes in the history of remakes. You know, it's we Let's take everything fun. What? I said, you also get Jupiter ascending this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like for the point blade break remake, it's like, let's take everything fun about the previous movie, get rid of that, and then make it a YouTuber who, like, for some reason, his nickname is Johnny Utah because I don't even remember. It's some really, really dumb reason why his nickname is Johnny Utah. Like, why did people like Bodie? Was it because Patrick Swayze oozes charisma and is just awesome? No. He made that movie. He, it's, <laughs> it's Patrick Swayze's movie. Right, exactly. And, and Keanu Reeves is, is there, but it's really, it's Bodie's movie. Right, and speaking of Reeves, we have one of his uh, one of his movies this year that is, I believe it's still on Netflix. You can watch it. Now, there's two reasons to watch this movie. One of which is just to see how bad of a Nick Cage movie it should have been instead of a Keanu Reeves movie. And then the other one is for all my fellow creeps out there. You get to see Ana de Armas naked having a threesome with um, her co-star and Keanu Reeves. And despite that happening in this movie, that's about as tedious of a movie you're going to get. So when you get to that threesome, you're like... I might see this to the end, but I'm still going to have to turn this movie off. You know, it's like, this is still going to have to go. It's a God awful movie, but that came out this year. It's another, that's a Reeves movie. And then of course we have uh, daddy's home. We have uh, the national lampoons vacation remake. We have the ridiculous six. Yeah. We have Victor Frankenstein, which was, I guess a, attempt at retelling frankenstein with harry potter and um uh professor xavier <laughs> you, know? you get uh you get straight out of compton which is a solid yeah. straight out of compton is definitely one of the better movies this year um that's a solid telling of the uh of the nwa story yeah starring and, ice cube son himself <laughs> yeah and paul giamatti as as jerry heller was incredible yeah like even resemblance wise resemblance but like great great acting from that that's like o'shea jackson jr man he looks just like his dad (laughs) so it's like oh this is the actor who played easy e he was really good in that too i I don't know his name on my head but uh yeah i mean there was also creed this year i was gonna say creed also came out too yeah 
And of course, the big short, the big short came out. Uh, Ex Machina came out, which was on the fence for being one of my choices. I do enjoy that movie. It was good. Outside of the Oscar Isaac's meme of him dancing. You know, it's a fairly decent movie. (laughs) Jason Mitchell plays EZE. There you go. And and of course, there is now I'm saying that there is the one movie that I will flat out recommend that had I really even thought of it, it's kind of I don't I don't think you can get anywhere except for like to rent it. But um, Maggie starring Schwarzenegger where uh, his daughter is Abigail Breslin and she's slowly becoming a zombie (laughs) and it's more of like a character drama. It's a very good movie. It's a stupid premise, but it's done very well. And Schwarzenegger is actually a really good dramatic actor in it. And it's, it's, it's very, he he portrays a father going through some shit very, very well in this. It's, it's really, it's a good old Schwarzenegger movie, but all of that, none of that is what we're talking about tonight. We are talking about the lobster. The lobster's one. The lobster's really good. I watched it a few months back and I was, I was astounded. I was like, Oh my God, how have I never heard of this prior? It's a Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same director as in Bruges, which I love in Bruges. Yep. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, um, all right. So now onto the main event where, the Vuvovich or the witch, depending on what, how, what, if you want to go with pronunciation or spelling. Uh, and it's directed by Robert Eggers, who does, did The Lighthouse, which uh, yeah. if you ever want to see a mermaid's vagina in black and white, you watch that movie. But um, Ray, this is your pick. Why don't you, uh, why don't you lead us in? Okay. Uh, I love this movie because the dialogue is incredible. Robert Eggers, uh, he spent a long time perfecting the dialogue and he was reading a lot of uh diaries and folklore from that era to try and get the linguistics down i love it and he does that the same with the lighthouse and he does that with all of his projects uh so dialogue is great i love the the setting i like that it's a specific time in in uh new england and i love that it is a very what's the word like it's a folklore. It's a folklore and it's a psychological horror with not a lot of great horror aspects, but it still thrives. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, you said like the dialogue you love, which is ironic for me because I had to throw the closed captions on to understand what the hell they were saying. <laughs> because that the father, the actor that plays the father, he's got one of those great like British villain voices like it's really deep and it's really like gravelly and like you can picture him being like a, a villain in a guy Ritchie movie you know <laughs> but it's like so he's talking i'm like oh fuck i gotta put the captions <laughs> on for this guy There's, he's, he's not speaking quote-unquote our english <laughs> but he's speaking old english and, and i also really needed got to that close voice too. <laughs> um so this movie i i have a hard time putting into words how i felt about it Looking at it as a historian, awesome, amazing. Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Can we just do we? We gotta stop and acknowledge the fact that Mike just referred to himself as a historian. <laughs> I my master. I have a master's in history. I am a hundred percent a historian. <laughs> I, I don't picture Mike as a historian. I picture a historian like someone with like you know a sweater over their button-down shirt and the tie. They got the old like Harry Potter glasses on. They got the gray hair and they're just waiting to die in the New York uh, Public Library or something like that. You know. <laughs> Then you have me, who owns a uh, 
who owns a tank top with Gordon Bombay's face right. all over it. Yeah. Mike's like the bad boy historian. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, all the fine details about this movie, like the way they set up the sets and built the house and everything, like the dialogue, they so on point for the period. Awesome. The setting is so good. Um, the atmosphere really works, but for some reason, this is the longest. Is it 90 minutes? I think it's 90 minutes. Something like that. It's yeah. the longest 90 minutes I've ever sat through a movie for some reason. <laughs> like Ooh, there, is okay. a, there are a lot of things I like about it. And I like the movie overall. But if you want 90 minutes to go by really slow, watch this movie. It is a very <laughs> slow burn, yeah. I guess I'm going to have to defend it against both of you i'm outnumbered well, no here. i'm not i'm not saying i dislike the movie because i i think everything that they try to do they nail but just the way the movie plays out by nature makes it a very slow movie and right. if you don't have the intention span for it you're not gonna like it yeah i i okay so in the first five minutes the the family is exiled we don't know um do you know their last name uh no we just get a first name we get a first name yeah, for everybody first name for all the characters parents and three uh three children exiled out of this community and they're on their own four children <laughs> technically four children one on the way no because we got two twins anya taylor joy and yeah. the son and, and caleb then the baby and then the baby yes. makes uh five yeah yeah so okay the six of them exiled on their own and then they find a a place to settle and they create a little homestead and from there things seem to be going all right you know they have their little homestead they have some livestock they have crops baby samuel comes on the way and thomason on to tell joy is taking care of him playing peekaboo and then <laughs> one day one time he just uh, peekaboos and he is gone yeah so stakes are already high you know and then the witch quickly takes like one of those little pot things that you mash up herbs and mashes up the baby in it yeah mortar and pestle yeah <laughs> mortar, right mortar and pestle and then they use the baby paste to make her young what apparently she missed like her right hand <laughs> as we see later and and the yeah we'll we'll get to the witch but she does like a the shining moment where she's pretty one moment and then she's old yeah yeah and now, so, so something that is period appropriate, but makes me uncomfortable is the incestuous uh, implications yeah. going on there. <laughs> well, is it so much incest as it is Caleb is like a horny kid that's, this is the only girl with breasts that he's really yeah. got experience with you know, or exposure to. The, you know. the tickle fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Little, that was a little weird. Not gonna lie. But like then, of course, there's the one line that Anya Taylor Joy has, where she says, "I have broken every one of your commandments in thought." It's like, okay, wait. So that means you coveted your neighbor's wife somehow. You don't have neighbors, let alone that they have a wife. So <laughs> I don't want to be a stickler here, but there's one you didn't do. <laughs> um, I think the performances in this film are great too. Anya Taylor Joy is awesome. Yeah, this is like her the start of her career. And now yeah, this she, is her feature film debut. This is her feature film debut. And now she's everywhere. She was in the Queen's Gambit. She's uh, in the new Edgar Wright movie. 
Um, she was Pro? she was in uh what uh Split and Glass. Yes, she's hosting Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and uh, she's gonna be Furiosa in the Furiosa prequel. That's gonna be interesting. I, I'm I, I very think that's uh, intrigued to see that. Three. Yeah. yeah. So very we'll, interesting we'll to see what she does with that. Yeah. But I think uh, I think uh, Thomason and Caleb are like incredible actors, child actors. Oh yeah, yeah. That kid nails it, especially his freak out death scene. Like, yeah, he really Absolutely. does nail it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, you again. Acting in this movie is awesome. The direction that clearly he had a vision, and it seems like he hit every mark on that vision. But by nature, that vision does make the movie go slow. And if you're not a movie person, I don't think you'll like it. Yeah, well, it's it's an A24 movie. It's yeah. There's a lot of slow, eerie, nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, everything happens. You know, it's it's the same with Hereditary. It's the same with Midsummer. You know, it's Midsummer like spaces things out a little bit more, has a lot of creepy like shit happen first. And kind of like yes. warning signs. And then... Yeah. Upon rewatch, you see there's a lot of weird shit in the background of that, but Hereditary is like almost the same thing. There's only the one scene in Hereditary where shit happens, and that's you know the inciting incident for everything when the daughter oh, gets yeah. her, her head popped off. But everything Heredi- else, Hereditary is just like a slow burden. Then the last thirty minutes is a fucking wildfire. Right, and that's yeah. like for this movie, it's the same thing because like the last fifteen minutes are when everything goes down in this movie. Right, but it's it's all implied and like symbolic prior to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they follow a black rabbit into the into the woods, you know. Instead of like the Jefferson airplane, follow the white rabbit and, and <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. It's a black rabbit, which is folklorically, I don't think that's a word, but it is in folklore. Folklorically, <laughs> yeah. it is symbolic of evil. And then of course yeah. we have Black Philip, which is very on the nose. I love the production <laughs> stories involving Black Phillip, where apparently he was a total asshole to film with. Because <laughs> he's a goat, man. Goats yeah, exactly. he's a goat. Like they're not they're like fluffy dogs, you know. They're fucking goats, man. <laughs> um, I think he sent uh, he sent the guy that played the dad to the hospital briefly. <laughs> Probably makes sense. Well, the spoiler: the, the the dad gets gored by the goat. In the movie. That yeah, that might have been a legit injury that they left in. Because, <laughs> yeah, <or> whatever. <laughs> but, I think in it, yeah, the initial plan was just to have him get crushed by the uh, the wood that he's been stacking very diligently all movie. Dude, dude loves cutting wood. <laughs> he's chopping wood like Captain America. You know? <laughs> uh, but, he chops well, wood for half this movie. Right. Well, like not not every animal actor can be the monkey from Monkey Shines. You're you damn know? right they yeah. can't. You're going to have some divas, and they're going to be a goat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he knows he's playing the devil, so he's got a big, meaty role to chew into there. He's not playing a murderous Method monkey. Acting. Yeah, exactly. He's not playing a murderous monkey. It's it, There are stakes here. But, yeah, it's – and that's – the thing with this movie, like the first three-quarters of it or like the first 85% of this movie are essentially, when you break it down for a horror movie, it's essentially a – family moves to a haunted house movie Mm -hmm. that's essentially all it is and it's the same thing with sinister that we when we talked about that it's you know this family moves in some creepy shit starts to happen that's exactly what happens in this and then it just takes a while for everything to finally go down and get revealed but yeah they do like it is a good slow burn 
but there there is a lot of it like mike's been saying like there's a lot of it that if you're not down for sitting through this movie there are a few parts where you can be like done don't need to see the rest oh youtube whatever the good parts are you know it's i don't need to see this full thing that he definitely like this was clearly a passion project and he made it for a very specific crowd and yet if you're not part of that crowd you're going to think that this movie's boring right yeah is is the uh the colonial blair witch project yeah. Yes. A, yeah, exactly. You know? Or it's like the crucible, but a little more realistic. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more spooky, right? Right. Yeah. Like the one thing I have here, and I'm looking at my notes, like because at the end, well, Black Philip, as we've been saying, is the devil, and he eventually talks to Thomason at the end, and being the devil, he tempts her with things. He says, "Would you like the taste of butter? Would you like Would you a like pretty to, dress?" Do you want like to, to see live. the world while living deliciously? Now it's like, okay, the living deliciously part I heard. I was like, wait, yeah. is he pinhead? Sounds, like <laughs> sounds like a Candy Crush line. Well, it's like Delicious. pinhead. It's like I have shut such sights sights to show you. You know, it's like it's like, wait, he might be pinhead. But then of course they, we see Black Phillip and he's got spurs on his boots and he looks like a cowboy version of Jack Sparrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like if we had Johnny Depp in this role, it wouldn't be out of character, you know, it wouldn't be out of place. <laughs> I, was Which, I was like, you know what? That's just a great the, design for the devil, though. God, theoretically, like theoretically, Pirates of the Caribbean and this movie could take place at the same time. In that's theory, true. they could take place at the same time. You never seen Black yeah. Phillip and Johnny Depp in the same room. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think we just cracked it right here. And because I even put here, Black Phillip's a fucking pirate or cowboy or something. So, you know, so we don't know what it is. But it is. And it's it, one part that accidentally made me like, well, I mean, it, it unintentionally made me laugh. Besides the dad getting crushed by the wood that he has been chopping so diligently. I think that <laughs> I laughed at that death scene. I think that intentionally made me laugh. But um, no, the unintentional part was when, of course, at the end, like Thomason being seduced by the devil into this witch's cult or whatever has to get naked and she of course being wearing the period accurate clothing she's got a whole bunch of laces on her bodice whatever and she's just like pulling laces out for what seems like 10 minutes <laughs> and i was like wow that is so many laces <laughs> like even then by then but the devil will be like let me help you with that and just like burn it off or something <laughs> <laughs> And of course, uh, this yeah. movie ends like Hereditary, where she goes flying into the air, you know, right. with her. Uh, except she has her head in this. One. It also, it also reminds me of the movie Kill List. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I haven't. I feel like well, I've heard of it. It's a, uh, it's another psychological slow burn, and uh, the ending is very much the same, where it's, it becomes a cult, and there's fire and flames and all that stuff, and people in costumes and levitating. Uh, it's a good watch. Highly recommend it. But it reminds me a lot of that ending. Um, I thought The Witch was a really great film because performances, uh, editing. I like the fact that there's a lot of symbolism. And yeah, it's a little on the nose and it might be a little heavy handed, but I still think it is uh, a creepy, eerie movie. Yeah, the that could have been. Go ahead, go ahead. So something that got me is they get kicked out kind of because the dad 
is too puritanical for Puritans. Now, right. I don't know if you know anything about history, but Puritans are fucking insane, especially 1600 Puritans. It is sort of a historian. Yeah, the historian here. <laughs> apparently, this guy, he's like, you bitches, you guys ain't doing religious nearly tough enough. You guys are pussies about your religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're 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 the you're like Matt Michael Mike is the bad boy of history the, of the historians. They are the bad boys of the Puritan crowd. You know, <laughs> they don't they don't they they want to go to church on Sundays, but they don't want to beat themselves half to death for thinking about uh, a naked girl. You know, <laughs> they don't want they don't want to flagellate themselves every five minutes. Yeah, because even like the father, like they may he makes them go to confession somehow, like while they're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I love when the son is talking to the dad and he brings up that the if we're all born with original sin and the baby died before being baptized, you think he was goes to hell? And right. the dad's like, Well, I hope not, but probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a loophole. Right. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Like the kid can barely form thoughts. <laughs> But nope, he's a devil. All right, so <laughs> that was probably like my uh, rave perfectly summed up. That was the Vovovich. So um, why don't we discuss our beers? Ray, how's yours doing? Good. Uh, this is, uh, once again, the Leaves Turn by Ghost Hawk Brewing, 4.7 uh, ABV, and it is a nut brown ale. Nice. Very nice, very nutty, very, what's the word? Nutty. It's not bitter at all. It goes down smooth. And nice. I highly suggest it. Nice. Leave me on the can. Yeah, there's some good foliage on there. But uh, all right, Mike, how's yours? How's your I'm friends loving, doing? <laughs> I'm loving my Vava beer. I'm, you know, I think we should pronounce more things with Vava. Vava beer. <laughs> my Vava beer. <laughs> um, I. Uh, so again, Friendsgiving, it's a collaboration of like five different breweries. Um, it's really good. It, it, when you think hazy IPA, I generally think something that's super hoppy or whatever. This is not, it's very refreshing, very easy to drink. And I just finished up with my first can. Nice. I can tell with this cup because I have to pour the can as I go because it doesn't fit a full can. <laughs> right. Yeah, in my... Uh... My crowler of Devil's Creek caramel apple is um, almost done. I've been gradually like I'm like kind of like uh, not letting my my glass get half full, so I've been gradually refilling. So I'm almost done. It, I think crowlers are about three beers or so, something like that. But um, so I'm probably around two and a half at the moment, almost on my like. But now it's about halfway through my third, maybe. But uh, it's like five point four percent. It's real good, real easy, real going. Uh, Little hint of a caramel apple, but it's uh, very much a brown ale. And um, now we get on to Mike's pick, which was Mama Mad, Mama Max, Fury, River Road. <laughs> so, and it's of course directed by George Miller, who did the whole Mad Max franchise. Uh, oddly enough, he did Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's Oil, Babe, Pig in the City, and Happy Feet One and Two. I love George Miller's filmography. It's fucking great. <laughs> Yeah, what a what a mix. Yeah, he was also at some point, I think it was going to be either a Superman movie or a Batman movie. Like he was in line to do one of those sequels. And um it's it's just nuts. So Mike, since this is your pick, why don't we uh, let you intro it in? Well, this is easily the b -b best mama movie of the year. <laughs> of the year. <laughs> of the year. 
Um, <laughs> it's so like I was saying earlier, 2015. It has a lot of movies. I'm like, that's fine. That's good. I like it. This is the sole movie that I watch and go, I love that thing. Fucking loved it. Loved every second of it. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Like it um, is absolutely phenomenal. The color in it is stunning. The the score's amazing. Performances are awesome. Chase scenes are incredible. Love the action. I can't say a bad thing about this movie. <laughs> no, and it, the best part is you start off with Mad Max taking a piss and then eating a two-headed lizard. And then your foot is on the gas for the rest of this movie. There is one part where we get where it's kind of slows down. And that's where we're going through the what they find out was the green place with the creepy people walking on the bird stilts. Oh, yeah. And they, right. Yeah. Then they meet the women. Then they meet the um, the mothers or whatever. I forget. I forget what the the, the um, Furiosa's old clan is like old group of women. Oh, that. Yeah, that's it. But um, they're very. They're very, it's very slow at that part, but then right back on it, right back on the gas, and we are running back through the desert. And it's God, this movie is so great. And it's such a great continuation of the Mad Max franchise. Like, it's not a reboot per se, but they don't necessarily talk about the previous ones. But Max's memories that he's having, these flashes, yep, involve the ending of the first movie well, when his kid gets notices- popped by the car. Did you also notice that he has the leg brace from the uh, bullet wound in the second movie? Yep. So it is kind of implied that this is Max from the first two movies. They kind of leave out the third movie. Yeah, Tom oh. Hanks. I'm not Tom Hanks. That God, Tom Hanks and Mad Max Fury Road. That'd be great. <laughs> but no, Tom Hardy is like, the, he's now Mel Gibson, you know, and it's... I, I'm t- I'm sorry, but if I had the choice to, if I had to pick between Mad Mel Mel Gibson's Mad Max back in the '80s versus Tom Hardy as Mad Max 2015, it's tough because they really are two great versions of the character. Like Beyond Thunderdome's Beyond Thunderdome, like it, it's a movie of itself. It's very weird because it gets become like Lord of the Flies after a while. But when you look at the first Mad Max and Road Warrior. They are great, like, near-future apocalypse movies that are awesome. This is, you know, nuclear fallout. You know, it's it's essentially present-day Australia. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very... There's such a distinct look and feel to this movie that it's so hard to believe that it's a movie. Like, it's so lived in and specific to a vision... That you can't imagine that one human being could be like, this is what I see, this is what I want to put on film, and this is what I have translated to film. It's such a great movie in that way. I, I was going to say, I've never seen the original Mad Max movies, uh, but this is a really good standalone film because, Absolutely. like you said, it gets right to the point, right? Even if you've never seen Mad Max prior, like, I, like me, you right. know that Max is haunted by visions of stuff that has happened in the past, right? He has to let people die. He has to live with these decisions. And like you said, he bites the head of a two-headed lizard, hops in the car, and he gets chased by his scavengers. So within like the first, not even like two minutes, right? Action has started. Story, narrative is driven. And then literally dri- driven. Yeah. Now, the best line in this movie, the absolute best line is when uh, 
what is, is it rectus or rectus takes a sip of milk and just goes moo, moo. <laughs> it's god and then like the craziest thing about this movie is the world of this movie it's almost as if like like vision wise and how fully realized it is it's almost as if tim burton were a gearhead you know right. like it's, it's it's the universe that's the universe you would get the world building on this movie is incredible like set design costume design prop design the welding on the cars right on the war rig i on. love the uh the setup for the villain and his gang and the the uh religion that they have and <laughs> like you have to die killing an enemy and have someone witness it and yeah it's like, such a self, it, yeah. it's like such a self-perpetuating way to control people that it gives you this level of respect for the villain like this guy this guy knows what he's doing like <laughs> however i do have to say one thing about joe he looks like Dr. Satan from House of a Thousand Corpses. He does That's kind right. of, he yeah. Does. <laughs> well, I just love how it's Immortan Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love how it's the, Joe. <laughs> the villain like, is, is Joe. The actor that plays him is Hugh Keys Byrne, who in the first Mad Max is Toe Cutter, one of the best villains that you're going to get in movies. He's such a good, creepy villain, but he's also like the head of this motorcycle gang, and it's he's got one of my favorite lines of the entire franchise. Most, a lot of all of like a lot of you know just in movies in general. One of his crew in the first one, his name is Kundalini, and he gets his hand cut off. And at one point, Toe Cutter says, "Kundalini wants his hand back." <laughs> you know, it's just the way he <laughs> delivers this line is so perfect. But so for Hugh is burned to come back as you know, thirty to forty years later to play. Uh, Immortan Joe in this it's almost like they took Toe Cutter who spoiler alert dies in the end of the first one and one of the best deaths ever he's like he came and like lived into the future and became this like old demonic Santa kind of you know <laughs> it's it's really crazy how, how again fully realize this character is <laughs> and really so like this is kind of both mine and Ross's pick because this was our both of our first picks yeah but um, yeah, there's, and like we didn't even bring up Charlize Theron yet because she's right. just freaking amazing. <laughs> okay, because it has to happen every episode. My creep moment. Charlize Theron is such a like ungodly beautiful woman that even with a buzzed head and grease smeared on her face, you're still looking and one arm, you're still looking at her like, yep. Still the hottest woman in the world, you know. <laughs> Still I <call> it, phenomenally <laughs> good looking. <laughs> where, how I feel about her in this movie, I refer to it as scaroused. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's like I have the to quote community. I have the weirdest boner right now. You know? <laughs> but, but her performance yeah. is really, really good. You know, and great. although it's Mad Max, right? That's the title. I feel like it's more uh, Furiosa's story, honestly. Yeah. It is and because he's driving the war rig, she is getting the the wives out. She's who she's who puts the plot in motion. Yes. Oh, absolutely, literally. You know, and and that's the crazy. That's the that's the thing. Because obviously, you know, 2015. I'm not sure if you guys remember this when it came out. The big um, stink about this movie from morons on the internet. 
was that, oh my God, it's Mad Max movie, but the woman is the main character. Ugh. It's like, all right, you know, come on guys. You know, not every movie has to have, you know, a white guy in the lead. Like we can make a good movie with a woman. <laughs> and of course it's Charlie's fucking Theron. Like you're, we're not putting in Kristen Stewart in 2015, you know, it's we're putting in an Oscar winning actress in this front role. And she is phenomenal. And I don't give a shit if it's not Mad Max's movie, if we're just selling the movie on Mad Max's name. It is absolutely her movie because it's her story. And He's now I am absolutely from- going to go see a movie. If they, so if they, when they make a Furiosa movie, yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah. sold on the character. This movie, hey. like, she's amazing. She's yeah. absolutely amazing. And it's especially if we're getting like Anya Taylor-Joy to play her, you know? Yeah. yeah. Super now exciting. the firestorm thing, like that that desert fire sandstorm. Oh, sandstorm. Yeah. oh my god, it looks so cool. The like everything about it is just incredible. The action's amazing, the color's awesome. Um we have a we the have war rigs isn't getting lifted up because of how heavy it is, but you see like the motorcycles get taken out immediately and then oh I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, there's lightning, there's tornadoes, there's uh, people, bodies flying left and right. Yeah, it's a real crazy scene. It's 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 so good. But I, I okay, I we would be remiss if we didn't mention, especially with Ray on as the guest, we didn't mention the best character in this movie, which is <laughs> the Do Warrior, the uh, the the guitar shredding. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> guy in the in the war party. Where he's yeah. just playing that electric, flaming electric, like electric flamethrower guitar. You know? got the Gene Simmons bass. It's fucking and great. Like he is fighting this whole movie. And it's that like, amp stack. That amp. It's awesome. <laughs> the score, like there's there's a still shot that I used to have as my cover page on uh, my cover photo on Facebook. It's so fucking good. There's a still shot of the war party going, and it's the Doof Warriors on the left in the forefront. He is shredding with the flame flying. And then the whole rest of the crew is like coming out behind him. But it's like, you can't not get pumped up hearing these yeah. drums, him shredding the guitar and just in for a car metal. chase. Right. For a that car is, chase, you're like, this is fucking awesome. It's <laughs> the Power makes- Man 5000. It's the Power Man 5000 of the, of the War Boys. <laughs> it's the desert Power Man 5000. <laughs> no, he, he, he looks like the guy from Mudbane. He looks like yes, yes, he does. <laughs> and like but he's now, like it, he can definitely be in the dig video. He absolutely could be in the dig video. <laughs> that was it, right. we, we brought up um that what was it uh what's the Nick Cage movie? Uh Maddie Maggie Maddie. Be more specific. Oh, you're okay. talking about Mindy. Mindy, Mindy. We talked about how Mindy like was an homage to 80s metal with like the sights and stuff. There's nothing that makes me think 80s metal more than the do for. It's he's just fucking shredding. It's so good. <laughs> it's like it's like if Slipknot became a zombie almost, you know? It's <laughs> like if Mick from Slipknot somehow became a like a zombie that had to live on like blood transfusions, you know? <laughs> now, speaking but, of Mandy, imagine if uh, what those bikers were in it. Um the, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, in the canyon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like like the Slipknot biker game. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's weird how easily Slipknot transfers to the future. You know, <laughs> everyone just like listen looks at Slipknot and like, 
That makes sense for an apocalypse. Perfect. <laughs> you know, let's just keep going. But um, I'm waiting for I mean, him they're... to cast Corey Taylor in one of these. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they get his opinion on everything else. We might as well throw him in one of these movies. <laughs> well, he's really into horror. So you might see him, you know, do a horror cameo one day. If Mad Max became, if they focus more on the, uh, I guess, like in the societal implications of, of the Citadel, right? Mm-hmm. You might see a Corey Taylor in yeah. horror. Uh, maybe. Absolutely. Oh, I could definitely say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, there, we there saw is... Keanu Reeves show up as like a rival gang leader, like his role in Bad Batch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves has like his mansion of wives, and he's hosting raves. <laughs> right. Then like like Jim Carrey's character is that too would work too. He'd work as well. But um, there is you know there there's there's like we'll discuss in the next movie in the next with Broke Nation. There are a couple times where like Max in this movie would absolutely be fucking dead. Like oh, yeah. there's a couple car crashes. Like that's like the magic of movies where like he's still alive most of this. But yeah, he would have died several times over. But well, that's the whole immortal Max theory. Exactly. Yeah. And then there one of my favorite things to actually like think about, other than like the reality of this world, like which would be fucking terrible and awful. When um they do eventually stumble upon the the uh the tribe of women and um the way that these women and it's a great line from tom hardy there's a, one of these women is naked on like an old phone tower and she's screaming for help and mad Ma- and max looks up he goes that is bait <laughs> now i like to i want to see the little scene before that where all the women are together and they go all right are we drawing straws to find out who gets naked on top of this thing <laughs> um how do we get okay are we going by looks like you're the youngest and best looking you're probably the most enticing let's get you up there as opposed to the old lady with the now, seat <laughs> now now that's one issue with this movie if this movie truly does take place in australia they're not calling it gasoline they're calling it petrol Right. Well, they call it guzzling technically, guzzling. which guzzling. which fits in with the other movies. That fits in with uh, Road Warriors, what they and that's what they called in that. But it should be petrol. Petrol. Yeah, it, that is true. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, petrol. Petrol. And of course, we get like then. Well, I think we do have some. We do have some Australian uh, terms in this because I believe schlanger might be some sort of. Australian term, I'm guessing for dick. I don't know. I've never actually, no one has said schlanger. Uh, they just go wanker. What the hell is schlanger? Is that that's, like, yeah, I think that's it? movie slang. I think they need that for the movie. I think it's movie it's slang. A smeg who eats schlanger. Yeah, there you go. It's like, that's the line. That's, yeah, no, that seems, that's that seems like all, some Australian shit right there. That's not Australian, not to my knowledge. I'll just say, Mike, you, you haven't been to everybody in the whole country. <laughs> you don't know where that shit's coming from. <laughs> that might be an outback term. We don't know. But, uh, all right. So, yeah. I, I, I was in the outback. I went camping in the outback. In all of it? <laughs> in the parts it's that like matter. 90% of the country, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really can't believe this movie. Like, the just looking at the the welding on the trucks, on the cars, mm-hmm. You know, um, the war rig is badass, and, it's and awesome. Nuts wants to drive it, and I think everybody wants to drive the war rig. It's awesome. I just yeah. love the little touch of the hidden gun behind, yeah. like then, the skull that they crack into, and it's like, oh, there's a gun. All right. Oh, and, <laughs> and then, then all of like the ornamentative, like the decorative aspects that they add to their cars and stuff, it all looks freaking incredible. <laughs> and I love how 
how uh, Furios has all these guns in the cab of the truck. And then the knife as the shifter blade. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. It's like the one, the hidden thing, you know? And yeah, Max oh, is just filling up that bag with all the fucking weapons that are around. <laughs> she has her little what? switch sequence that she has so only she can drive the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, it's a nice reference back to Mad Max where he had his car was booby trapped. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this. I, again, I had a great the, uh, like theatrical experience with this movie. I went after work one day. This is my old, one of my older jobs. I was um, I was a computer service technician. Bunch of the dudes I went with we were all like, "Let's go see this movie." So the Deptford AMC had just opened and had just had like been renovated to have uh, like the recliners and everything. So we went, and when this movie started, all of us there were like four of us. We were sitting there, and we were like white knuckled grabbing the hand like the side like the armrest and all that when this movie ended we all just kind of sat there and then looked at each other like was that the greatest movie we've ever seen in our lives we're like yeah i fucking think so it's, it's freaking it's, incredible it's amazing and it's just it's the fact f- that it's fucking all, incredible like the effects of it are like 97 percent practical yeah. Like the only things that are digital are when there's one where there's a, the guitar, the Doof Warriors guitar flies at the screen. There's a steering wheel that flies at a screen. Like that is digital, obviously. But the rest of these effects are all old school practical stuntman effects. And it's just, it the makes stunt the stunt drivers that they use for this movie. It's so impressive. Like right. with the pole cats, the ones that are on the poles, like going back and forth, it's it makes it so much better knowing that some dude was risking his life to do this. You know, it, it is. It does come off a little goofy. The pole vaulters, you know, that are on top of a on top of a truck. I was like, do they really need that? It is a great stunt, but like, it just think about it. In the world of this future, yeah, right. they'd be doing that. You know. <laughs> That's the kind of shit they absolutely would be doing. Like that, like the war, like the um the gang of like warthogs, basically, who have like all their metal spikes and shit coming off their thing. Like, yeah, yeah they do that to protect from like the fire poles that they're getting thrown <laughs> into their cars, you know? No, that's so that's this movie. I cannot talk about this movie without having a giant smile across my face. It's amazing. It is, it's so fun to think about, it's so fun to talk about, it's so fun to watch. It's yeah. it's just an awesome awesome movie and it's great for people who are fans of the original uh mad max movies and it's great for people to just enter in at yeah and of course you know the way the oscars work is that spotlight was technically the best picture of 2014 like it was the winner of the year before but like mad max was also nominated for the best picture you know it's this movie flat out should have won in my opinion and yeah, it was nominated for best picture. Uh, I'm gonna I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, what won? But it was it's. It was spotlight, there, wasn't it? Well, spotlight. Oh. Yes. Hold on. Let me let me pull this shit up. But yeah, spotlight won. But um, here we go. 88th Academy Awards. Here we go. Blah blah blah. Hosted by Chris Rock. Yada yada yada. Oh, okay. No, no, no. All right. So spotlight for 2015 was the best picture because it. It was the best picture, technically, of 2000. Yeah, here we go. That's the winner. The other nominees, we are looking at. All right, so here's the other nominees. Spotlight won, Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, 
The Martian and The Revenant and Room with um not the room with Tommy Wiseau, which should have won, but <laughs> that room. Room, greatest movie ever made. Besides, right. of course, D two, the Mighty Ducks two. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and this, but um, but no, this is Room with Brie Larson where she's got agoraphobia and a panic room. I don't give a fuck. It's Brie Larson movie. I give a fuck about her. But yeah, so like just looking at those movies, Spotlight, yes, very good movie. It's a very Oscar movie because it's about a real life uh, thing. It's it's show it's pre-small station and exposing all that all of the elements for an oscar winner best picture are all there but mad max fury road if you're looking for a just an achievement in filmmaking this was the best picture and people are gonna be like oh well, what about the revenant it was like you know shot in like leonardo dicaprio uh lived as an actual bear victim you know it's like fuck you I give a fuck. Like it's automatically be disqualified. You know, you make Birdman, you don't get to make more movies after that. I'm sorry, you're a piece of shit. You should have killed yourself. <laughs> I, I, like I just hate that. No, I hate that no one can see my punctuation on that line by drinking my beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you mean I, the rev? He's bringing up the revenant, not spotlight. <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, no, Spotlight, great. No, fuck The Revenant. The Revenant is the movie that should have resulted in several deaths. Wait, I understand why, like, knowing the Academy, I get why Spotlight won, and I don't think it's an objectively bad choice. No, it's good. This is it's, better. It's fine. This That's is what better. Leo won his first Oscar with, his first Best pick, best Actor. Yeah, but... It, it was I feel like, the worst. It was I feel like they, a lifetime achievement. Yeah, actor. they gave it to him because he did the thing. It was almost like the final trial to win your Oscar, Leo. You've been a great performer up until this point, but you haven't almost died for your art. And then Leo was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to get inside a hollowed out fucking horse carcass and I'm going to look like I'm in a horse vagina. So yeah, I, I guess I deserve to win my award. You know, it's like, well, Maybe we should base Why? on the fact that he's done shitload of better movies before this, you know? I mean, he should have won Why? for The Departed. Yes! <laughs> Ross, why do you dislike The Revenant? Everything about The Revenant is contrived, artful horseshit. And especially given the fact that it was by the Birdman director, somebody who I immediately think is without merit or talent at all, because that movie's garbage so i do believe that the whole one long shot for the whole movie is a gimmick like it i is. understand the difficulty of it but it's a gimmick like it it's does not, not inherently make the movie experience better you're just making it harder on yourself and the actors and people are like oh it's impressive but does it actually make the movie better no <laughs> it's also not it's also not impressive because you're hiding edits you want to impress me do like 1917 or whatever that recent movie was and legitimately almost make it a full one take movie that takes over a couple days now 1917 now, you, does it pretty awesomely yeah like but again they're still hiding edits yeah. you know there is no movie like the only thing like one movie that actually just by you want to talk about filmmaking impressed me even though it was not that good of a movie was boyhood you want to devote 20 some odd years to making a movie because you want the characters to legitimately grow, like actually grow, not like writing wise, like physically grow into their roles. 
great. That's long form planning. You're thinking ahead, but for Inaratu to do the Revenant, where he's essentially like, you know what? The, know what my Oscar formula is? Artsy bullshit that the Academy's going to love because it's fun for movies. And then torturing my lead actor. And my lead actor, being the masochist that he is, wanting to do that to himself for an award. And because well, he thinks also, it's art. Yes. Also, that Keanu right there not just having a, an, an Oscar had been like the biggest meme on the internet for a while right. at that point. And Leo at that point, I know, saw the post, saw the memes, was like, how do I win an Oscar? And the Academy was like, almost kill yourself. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to almost kill myself making this movie. And then, of course, his co-star, Tom Hardy, saying, you know what my formula is for being in a movie? I need to have a funny accent and I need to obscure my face somehow. That's all I need. And right there, I wish they had given it to Tom Hardy instead of Leo just for playing to his type. You know? Wait, okay. All right. Uh, so going back to what you said about Birdman, right? How they're hiding cuts. If you can't see an edit, that's a sign of good editing. If you then it's not the best edit- picture that we're winning. We're winning best editing. <laughs> For what, Mad Max, or what are we talking about now? No, yes, for, be for, for both, for, for Revenant or uh, or Birdman. It's not directing; it's editing that we should be focusing and it, on. They should right. not have been best picture. Whiplash is a far better movie than oh, Birdman. far superior. Whiplash is great, no no question about it. But but uh, 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 okay, uh, okay. I think we should move past this. I don't think <laughs> we're going to see eye to eye on this. I thought Leo deserved the best actor because he almost died. But because does almost dying make it the best performance? Here, yes, it's, I believe no. it's. I believe Peter O'Toole said it the best. He was talking. I forget who he was talking to. He was talking to like Robert De Niro or something. Now this is one of the most legendary actors of all time. He said he was talking about method acting, and he said like he found out that the like De Niro lived as a taxi driver or some shit or whatever for taxi driver, yes. and he looked at him and said. You know it's called acting, right? Wouldn't it be easier to learn how to act? <laughs> right. So you don't need to live as your character. You should be given an acting award for but, acting. <laughs> but Daniel Day-Lewis can do that, and he's the best actor because he has three best actor awards. Well, see, that's the thing. He his character. I don't think, yes, Daniel Day-Lewis, very good actor. He's, he's, he's fun to watch. But that's the thing. He made if you if you have to call him Lincoln or whatever the fuck during his movie when you're in line for lunch, and you're just an asshole. Argument. You're I'm not an actor. A- you're just an asshole. Now, <laughs> I'm going to make an argument here that Brian Cranston deserved it for Trumbo. Yeah, I, that was a great movie. I loved him in that because uh, he was acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun fact! Fun fact. New Pokemon games came out this week. I, I already told Ross who what I named my rival because you can name your rival. All right. <laughs> All right. What is it? Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even Jared Leto for, for Dallas Buyers Club. Fuck right? Jared Leto. We don't oh, praise God. him on this okay. show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this oh. is a strictly anti-Jared Leto podcast. <laughs> well... We're going to have issues, I think, in two weeks because I'm picking a movie with him in it that he's actually really good in. <laughs> All right. Uh, Revenant is good, but
but I'm the guest, so you guys can <laughs> you guys can. I don't hate. I don't hate Revenant on the level Ross hates it. I, I think it's say. very slow. Like I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's very slow, and I think that there's far too much of a dead guy crawling through snow for my taste. It's a fetish. It is. It's it's a fetish for Inaratu to to and the same thing for uh, DiCaprio. They get off on trying to torture themselves and the other it's, one. It's a true story. It's a movie based on a guy who gets left for dead in the middle of the woods in 1800s, you know, wilderness. That story has also been widely debated as what was real or not in it, you know? And he doesn't have a son in the real story that he's trying to get back to and all that shit, you know? It's, it's one thing to take a real event and tell it accurately. It's another thing to dramatize an event Tell it like it's like a dramatized version of it and then claim you're accurate. But Inaratu is such a talentless hack because all he does is go for the same bit over and over again. I'm going to do long takes. That's going to be my fucking bit. I'm sorry. That's going to be my bubba bit because I'm Inaratu. I just don't like the fucking guy. And then. The, the craziest thing with this with with the revenant my friend one of my friends you know one of my good friends brett when we all saw this movie together all my guy friends we saw it together the scene where leo is in the horse when he is yeah. inside of it using it like a like a sleeping bag it like han like a luke in um uh, empire uh, strikes back the, he took a still shot when we're in the movie he took a shot with his with his phone Every time for like a year after that, we would have our group text. Somehow he would interject that picture into the group text. And every time it was just the best punchline I've ever seen in my life. So it's another case of a movie experience ruining a movie. <laughs> it's like you're thinking of that as opposed to the actual movie. But of course, that's not that's no fault of the filmmakers. But the filmmakers, like the film itself, I find just so pretentious and up its own ass and just everything involved with it. It's, it's like, if you Jared want an Leto-ish. actor, almost, <laughs> it's like, if you want an Oscar for being a best actor, then Leo fucking act. Do not live as um whatever, a Midwestern old timey beaver trapper for like <laughs> six months. no, actually learn how to pretend to be that person without becoming that person you know <laughs> yeah ross i have a problem we've been far too on the same page this entire podcast and i really don't like it <laughs> <laughs> i i don't like how much we're agreeing <laughs> well okay all right we'll we'll let this one go we'll let it we'll let this one go I was going to say, I, I, I think I remember I really saying like, at the beginning of the episode that we wouldn't be talking about The Revenant, but oh well. <laughs> I really like the, the music in Mad Max. I thought the score was great. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's the awesome. Score's amazing. Back to the three movies we were supposed to be right. talking. You know what else has a really good score? The Revenant. That's the case. I'm done. Point. Final I'm point. <laughs> Checkmate rain. <laughs> Get wrecked. Yeah, get fucked. How about that? <laughs> but all right, so I mean that's probably enough about the revenant slash mad max zero. <laughs> but so all right, right? How's your beer doing? It's good. I'm on my second one. Uh, I was nursing the first one, but this is uh very good. 
and I'm going to probably have a few more after this, honestly. Nice. All right. Mike, how are you? Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm about halfway through my second one. I'm trying to decide how I'm actually going to like just mention all of these breweries in <laughs> like I don't know if I'm going to mention every single one individually or if I'm going to try to figure out how to do that on social media and on the uh, description of the episode. And just you know, hashtag them. <laughs> just tag them. You'll be fine. But uh, yeah, my uh, Devil's Creek. Uh, caramel apple i'm almost finished it. it is uh very good and uh, of course that's collingswood new jersey 5.4 percent delicious little beer a uh, nice little place to run too it's a very small brewery and it's a little corner store on uh Haddon Ave, and it's very nice to go to it's really really chill little place all right so last on our list is um Number five on the uh, the Mission Impossible uh, list, which is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, which also he also did Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise and all of the Mission Impossibles after this. Um, so that's uh, uh, Fallout, and then I believe he's doing seven and eight as well. And um, this movie is obviously my pick, and uh, because Mike took my Mad Max Fury Road, but um, and then uh, so Rogue Nation when you like. I'm a sucker for a great action movie. And if it's not a 90s action movie, which just had their own special like genre of crazy action, like Tom Cruise as an action star is he's unquestionably an action star. Like this dude gets it. And especially with Fury Road, he does all of his stunts, whether or not with, uh, Rogue Na- uh, which one is this Rogue Nation? This is Rogue Nation. Nation. You said Fury Road. I know. That's why I said, like, with Fury Road, Uh, practical effects. (laughs) That's what I was getting to. And Oh, I thought you were implying Tom Cruise was in Fury Road. I'm like, that was Tom Hardy. (laughs) No, he was. He was was, uh, in Morton Joe. (laughs) He was was one of the wives. (laughs) That's how good of an actor he is. (laughs) He was uh, Rose. What? (laughs) He was Rose whatever's character. He was uh, Riley Keough's character. Elvis's granddaughter's character, you know. But um, but no, no, like in Fury Road, I was gonna say, like the, the effects in this movie are for the most part, all the stunts are all practical with Tom Cruise. And because right. that's his thing, like he's he's on a death wish, he's on a death mission for all his recent movies, you know. All of these, especially Mission Impossible movies, he's trying to kill himself with every single one. But oh wait, yeah. Does 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 this mean he should be eligible for an Oscar? Well, no, <laughs> because he's not up his own ass about it (laughs) he's very much just trying to entertain you he's not about the oh i'm dying for my art no tom he's he's more like i want to see if i could hold on to a plane while it fucking flies i'm going to try it (laughs) right Right. he's doing it for the effect of a movie he's not going like tom cruise is not going for oscars with this movie now the craziest thing is if is there an oscar for stunt work like, I think there are stunt Oscars, but not a part of the official Oscars. There really should be. There really should. Fun. Like, because he should absolutely have a couple of these for some of these uh, um, these stunts that he does. But as we mentioned, I think we did in our in-between um, summer blockbuster episode. I believe we talked about, did we talk about Mission Impossible at all, or was it just Fast and the Furious? That we uh, talked we, about, we've talked about Mission Impossible. We definitely have. Right. We talked about um, Mission Impossible One. Right, because I can't remember why we talked about that movie. 
It, I think it was blockbusters. It was. It, it might have been the blockbusters. It was. It was the nineties blockbusters. You're right. Yes, but um, but then we talked about the Fast and the Furious franchise, which I've always called Mission Impossible for Meatheads. Now, in this in this movie, again, like Mad Max and Fury Road, Ethan Hunt several times should be dead six times over, you know, yeah. but. At least in this movie, and now this is where it sets it apart from the Fast and the Furious, aside from the obvious, you know, monster energy drink sponsoring kind of thing. You know, like like the Corona uh, sponsors and the monster energy drink vibe of Fast and the Furious. Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt actually suffers injuries during these stunts or during this movie and parts of it. In this movie, there's a gigantic car slash motorcycle chase. At the end of it, he is damn near dead. And he actually walks away bloody. He's limping. He needs to take a bit to re to kind of get himself together. If you replace, if you put that scene in a Fast and the Furious movie, Vin Diesel's going to hop, skip, and jump out of that car. And he's just going to go running away after the rock like absolutely nothing happened. And, and going ahead. back to, to Fury Road, uh, Max, right? He's strapped to the front of a car that Nux is driving and he doesn't get any sand in his face, even though they're right. driving in the desert. And, uh, you know, there's an explosion that happens right next to his face. And he's just like, Oh yeah. And he just punches it off. Right. Right. Crazy. Well, there's the, yeah. there's the, there's the, uh, immortal max theory. There's yeah. a whole theory about Mad Max being immortal. So I, so rogue nation is the movie I have the least to say about, but I have three major points. Major point one. I love Simon Pegg. Love everything about that man. Simon Pegg is treasure. As Benny <laughs> or Benji. Benji. <laughs> Point two. The practical stunts done by Tom Cruise are incredible. I That man has made so much money, I don't know why he's doing it. I can only assume he has a God complex at this point. <laughs> oh, he, he absolutely has to. <laughs> Point number three. Why Mission Impossible franchise is amazing is once you get past two, they somehow keep getting better. They, and that's they the somehow thing. up it every new movie. Because, like, with, you think with, like, one of these long-running uh, action franchises, you're like, oh, there's another one? Why another one? Mission Impossible is like, oh, oh, you want to know why another one? It's fucking better. It's fucking better, it better than the last one. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it's fucking, um, fucking better. It's fucking, fucking better, yeah. And obviously, say what you want about to Tom Cricket Cruise. Um, with these movies, and of course, everyone, you know, everyone remembers the period of Tom Cruise when he was jumping on Oprah's couch, saying Scientology, all that stuff. To his credit, the man has pushed that to the background of what he is nowadays. You know, he's he's very much now known as Tom Cruise, who's gonna eventually die on film filming a Mission Impossible movie. And it's not, and like Scientology is like the second thing you think of about him. And whereas it used to be just the only thing you thought about him. Now, when it comes to these movies, that first Mission Impossible movie is so rewatchable for me. I love it. It's amazing. Brian De Palma's uh, direction, Cruz's acting, the story itself. I am a sucker for a great spy thriller. Now, there is the obviously the long running debate since you know Mission Impossible became a movie franchise and Cruise became its star. The which is better, Ethan Hunt and Mission Impossible or James Bond? And 
when you look at these franchises, I'm going to go with Mission Impossible every time because despite the Craig Bonds being really good and like the modern equivalent of these Mission Impossible, like the modern um, adversary, I guess I'll say, to the Mission Impossible, these Mission Impossible movies, the Mission Impossible movies are like, they're fun. Like they're, they're not James Bond trying to get over Vesper Lynn's death, you know, and like trying to work it out because Blofeld's trying to kill him, you know? Does James Bond have Simon Pegg? That's the only question you have to answer. You have to ask. That's the thing. Does James Bond have Simon Pegg? He doesn't. He doesn't. And guess what? Simon Pegg, he automatically grants a movie a win. He's great. And then... The, the thing is, like, that I love about these Mission Impossible movies, as opposed to James Bond, like, the Craig Bonds are good. Like, I just rewatched Casino Royale, like, about a month ago. It's a great movie. It's just a phenomenal movie. It's awesome. But I will take Mission Impossible at, at the time, I think it was, like, Mission Impossible 3 might have been around that time. See, Philip Seymour Hoffman, great villain. Like, I'm, I'm probably going to take Ethan Hunt over Craig because Ethan Hunt just has a more fun likable vibe than james bond does and when it comes to ethan hunt and the imf versus bond and q their gadgets just seem so much cooler like you know like in this movie we have some cool ass gadgets like and benji used them because he's the tech guy benji's got that little like vape pen that's actually like a key like he plugs it into a, a, a lock and it finds the right key and it gives them but then he's got that little he's got the um the play, the playbill, that's actually that a, screen. a laptop. Yeah. Right. It's like a laptop. Wait, wait, it's like, wait. oh, this is so cool. <laughs> but now, the key thing, he uses that a few times. He used the key yeah. thing. Now, would you rather have the gadgets from Mission Impossible or the gadgets from Agent Cody Banks portrayed masterfully by Frankie Muniz? <laughs> I have a funny Mike? story about that. Go ahead, right? <laughs> I never saw that movie. I was going with my friend. <laughs> But here's the thing. Here, what happened was we were in the theater. It was like a, a Friday night. <clears throat> I went with my friend and I was like, probably like, I don't know, like eight or nine. And uh, we're sitting in the theater. We're watching the trailers and we see something fall from the ceiling and it lands in a woman's purse, like a few rows in front of us. Right. And they just like, don't do anything for a few minutes. And then they stand up and they leave the theater. The Then they shut the they turn the lights on the manager comes and says yeah we just had a squirrel fall from the ceiling into someone's purse (laughs) and i said are you that's crazy they're like we can't really show we had weird stories about nuts the last two episodes and now we have a weird story with a squirrel (laughs) a squirrel fell from the ceiling and they're like we we can't show this movie right now we can give you a ticket for another time we're like yeah sure and we ended up seeing like Santa Claus 2 or whatever. A fucking squirrel ruined the movie for you. <laughs> so I, ne- I never saw Agent Cody Banks. Now, wait, so what about, so you have the gadgets, the gadgets from Agent Cody Banks or the gadgets from the, the Magnificent Spy Kids trilogy that it, they're, it's incredible that these movies exist because Steve Buscemi, Khan from Star Trek, um, Fucking Danny Trejo, the the Cheech Mariner, they're all in them. <laughs> it's Antonio just Cheech Marin. Bang, Cheech Marin. <laughs> just Cheech Marin. He's not a 
Antonio Banderas, too. Antonio Banderas, George Clooney, Sylvester Stallone. These are all people in these movies. Now, would you rather have the gadgets from Spy Kids or would you rather have the gadgets from Mission Impossible? Think wisely. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. (laughs) I mean, this is a franchise where you can make a mask and literally become another human being. (laughs) But, But Steve Buscemi made miniature animal hybrids that you could have as pets. He made a pig crossed with a bird. That actually become a real giant, real giant bird. <laughs> Going I back mean, to the mask, the the mask in this movie. There's this one part where they're like 3D printing uh, yeah. Benji's mask, and it looks like Ben Bailey from Cash Cat. <laughs> All right, really Game does. of Thrones did this. Game of Thrones did this 1,500 years ago or whatever. <laughs> what? Made masks, made masks that turn you into other people. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, the faceless ones. Yeah, <laughs> but then you had to cut someone's face off first to do that. You couldn't 3D I, print it. <laughs> wait, Ross, Ross, the whole pro cannibal thing. I thought that you would like that process better. <laughs> well, cutting a face off and eating a face off are two different things. We're talking about Hannibal Lecter versus Game of Thrones here. <laughs> Speaking of Game of Thrones, did we see who played Catherine in The Vavitch? Yes. I was going to say she's breastfeeding in The Vavitch, too, as she is in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Lord Aaron. Uh, what's her name? I forgot her name, but yeah. It's Liza like Kate, Tully? I think, I think the actress's name is like Kate Beckinson or something. Was it Liza Tully? No, it wasn't Tully. It was, uh, yeah. Aaron. Liza, it was like Liza it was Aaron. Aaron. Liza Aaron, right. But yeah, it was, it was Aaron. Yeah, it was uh, Kate Kate Dickey is her name. Yes, but um, yeah, she's got a very distinct look too. It's like, and she is wow. very distinctively not likable on camera. Right. Well, I mean, that's I think that's a testament to her acting. But uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like, and of course, you know. Speaking of a distinct look in a movie, in Mission Impossible in Rogue Nation, the villain in this is Sean Harris. Now, no relation to Jared Harris, the other actor. And this dude's got a very specific look as well. But for some reason, the one thing I will knock this movie for is making him the big bad. He is very not scary or threatening. Like, he sounds creepy. But when you look at him, you go, well... This dude's a fucking pushover. You know, I don't need this guy, you know, but he, they really should have gone with Jared Harris. So if you've seen um, Sherlock Holmes game of shadows or whatever it is, he is Moriarty. I love Jared Harris. <laughs> He's great. He's a great actor and he would have been a great mission impossible villain. And I would, I just happened to be watching ghost protocol as well, which is the one before this. Um, the villain in that is, um, He's well. He's from John Wick. He's uh, the head of the Russian, um, the Russian mafia in John Wick. I can't remember the damn actor's name, but um, he's the villain in that. And it's like, okay, now that is your is your villain right there. You know, it's like a Russian dude. He is. He's uh, Michael Nyquist is his name. Yeah, he's the bad guy in Ghost Protocol. So it's like that's your villain. But in this, it's like there's just something not threatening about Sean Harris that I I kind of want. As the head of my secret organization, the syndicate, you know, I now, want, I want I'm an intimidating going, guy. <laughs> I'm always going to say that Javier Bardem should be the villain in a movie because since Christopher Lee's death and uh, since Tim Curry doesn't do that many roles anymore, I think Javier Bardem should be the villain in every movie. Right. 
I mean, I feel like he would have been good because he would have come up with something that would have been very memorable. You know, it's as a, like his like his villain like his villain in Skyfall. You know, he would have been very memorable in this. Actually, wait, that's not true. J.K. Simmons also gets roles as villains. J.K. Simmons, Simmons in Javi- Mission Impossible villain would have been great. <laughs> J.K. Simmons and Javier Bardem are the only acceptable actors to cast as a villain. Henceforth, <laughs> so saith the mic. <laughs> Stamped into law. Yeah, sorry, I had to <laughs> run out because I poured my other beer and it was flat and disgusting from Devil's Creek. But the caramel apple one was very good. But so this, like, and again, like the thing I love about this franchise and especially this movie is just the trade craft and the spy craft, like intricate spy shit that they get into. It's almost like it makes you believe. That there's an organization in the American government that could actually do something, you know, <laughs> that wouldn't have some partisan bickering or some horse shit going on. Like they actually would get shit done, you know. <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy what what they can do with the technology uh, that, that they have. You know that Ethan and, and the gang, Ving Roms and uh, Jeremy Renner and Jer- uh, Simon Pegg, what they can do. I'm How saying you that Jeremy Renner, Renner is kind of like um, I forget what you were saying with like supporting actors. Where whenever I see Jeremy Renner in an action movie, he's like a nice sprinkle of seasoning on any action movie. He adds a little bit to it. I like seeing him in action movies. Yeah, he has a much bigger role in uh, Ghost Protocol than he does in this one. But um, yeah, he's he is he's a nice little touch to this, and it's. <laughs> It's funny because we also haven't mentioned again my creep moment. Rebecca Ferguson is in this movie, and the woman is gorgeous. She's just another one of those gorgeous women. We're like this time has now, a lot of creep moments for Ross. Yeah, we haven't had this, this many time, creep moments in a while. <laughs> yo, we're only going to get worse when it comes to when we're getting closer because we're all, we're getting closer to my episode, and we're going to have Taylor back for it for my big uh, episode. For the Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> the Sigourney oh, no. Weaver episode. My oh, big yeah. creep moment episode where we talk about Samara weaving. Now, Tomorrow. if I pay, if I play my cards right, we could do her a couple weeks in a row because she's got some she's got movies like once a year up until present time. <laughs> but but with Rebecca Ferguson, she's like in all of these movies in James Bond, Mission Impossible, even to an extent in uh, Fast and Furious, even though it's got to be the the fucking Vin Diesel show in those movies. You have the sexy woman, like the sexy assassin, for like or the sexy part of the crew. Like Fast and the Furious, you have Gal Gadot having her ass grabbed as like a major plot point in one of these movies. <laughs> and then in Bond, you always had the Bond girl, which is you know the historically hot you know woman, the actress in the James Bond movies. In Rogue Nation, we have Rebecca Ferguson, who is the femme fatale. She is a British assassin. You know, she's a special forces agent. She plays it so great because she also does one of the great stereotypes in movies, which is the female assassin assassin slash special forces, like agent neck leg lock. Like whenever they're fighting, Black Widow does it all the time in the Avengers movies. They will somehow jump on your shoulders. They'll grab your head or like their neck with your with their legs and like flip you down to the ground. Like that's the main move that they have. She does it with the best of them here. <laughs> but there, there's there and like there's so many good, just straight up scenes in this movie. 
like the cooling tank sequence where they have to switch out the um the uh the biometric cards so that Benji can get through the biometric scan properly. That is one of the most tense action scenes you're going to see in a while. And even though you know that Tom Cruise is going to survive this scene because he's Tom Cruise, he's Ethan Hunt, he's the main character. They're not going to kill him. You still go, "Oh my god, he might die during this." Like what is happening here? <laughs> But the crazy part after that scene, right, where he gets rescued by, uh, what's her name, Ilsa? Mm-hmm. Uh, gets rescued by Ilsa and, you know, revived. Uh, she had just told them that she's a double agent prior to, prior to that scene. And he is still shocked when she runs off with the flash drive. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's kind of funny because, like, you knew that she was a double agent because she told you prior to you going to the tank. And right. yet he's and yet Ethan is still shocked. Right. Which which is it's funny because he's shocked because he's like coming out from being dead. Right. <laughs> he had died like after that scene, she saved his life. So he's even more like, I can't even do anything about this because I'm I'm trying to be alive again. <laughs> you know? And then again, that that's the thing that separates this. From the Fast and the Furious scent, like franchise, Ethan Hunt has consequences to his actions, whereas Vin Diesel, The Rock, and then The Rock especially. I don't care if you love The Rock because he seems like a nice guy. All of his characters are identical. They're immortal muscle heads. These dudes do not get hurt. They don't suffer consequences. They can never lose a fight. They can never do things that are that reflect negative on The Rock himself. Like, God forbid, since you're an actor, that your character might actually be vulnerable. It's like, I don't give a shit if you think you're in real life a bulletproof man, The Rock, like Dwayne. In your character, to be compelling, should have weaknesses. Ethan Hunt has weaknesses. Now, the irony is that The Rock is the modern-day action hero. Tom Cruise has been in Hollywood for 40-some-odd years. And this man, even though he's Tom fucking Cruise, doesn't have the ego of The Rock to be like, I am bulletproof. He's like, my characters need to bleed. They need to have weaknesses. They need and to f- I want to hold on to planes while they fly. Right. <laughs> Even though they're doing these fantastic fucking things, there I'm is still a point where you, water. Right. right. There's still a point where you go, holy shit, he's bleeding. He might die. He's got to play catch up, whatever. Whereas with The Rock in Fast and the Furious, the man flexes out of an arm cast in one of these movies. It's like, oh. So I guess broken bones just don't matter anymore, you know? <laughs> just, I'll have you know that they don't. They don't, yeah. I mean, as we all know, there are just some people among us who don't have broken bones. They just, they can They're get just built beaten, different. shot, whatever. Just it just doesn't matter. Different. Yeah, just and because The Rock is made of muscle, he's one of those guys. <laughs> Did you guys hear The, the Rock's rap verse on a Tech 9 song? No, but yeah. I feel like I need to. <laughs> the, the, the Rock made his rap debut, and he does it with Tech Nine. And it what is, they, uh, no, wait, no, I think he technically has a rap verse in "You're Welcome" in Moana. Well, Kid, honestly, I could go on yes. and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. <laughs> yes, there is about fifteen <laughs> seconds where he does kind of 
sing faster. <laughs> he, he's on a song with, with Tech Nine, and it's it's the perfect amount of tackiness and him relying on his WWE days. So, and see, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to be a character in a wrestling program, yes, you have to be the 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 face or whatever it is, where you have to be unbeatable, most cocky man in the world, whatever. But when you're playing an, a, a role in a movie, the best, the most compelling characters have weaknesses. They have a, they have downsides. They have parts where you think they might not recover from whatever they've the failure is that they've had in the movie. The Rock in his movie simply doesn't have those things anymore. He just doesn't do it. And it's because, and I don't care how likable he is, He's just like Vin Diesel. His ego is just as big as Vin Diesel's. They can't lose a fight. And he's kind of an asshole for that reason. Whereas Tom Cruise, if you want to be like, hey, he's kind of a weirdo Scientology guy. It's like, yeah, but look at his acting. The man's characters are like actual characters, you know? Like they're human beings to an extent, even though they're in fantastical situations. But I guess I'll give you the fact that Ethan very much would be dead several times over in these movies. <laughs> There's but a point in, in Rogue Nation where he's running down a hallway and people are shooting behind him and he's outrunning bullets somehow. Exactly. But like, it's like right there. That's like, that's like your action stereotype. But yeah. at some point in this movie, he absolutely is coming back from being dead. <laughs> like from having drowned, <laughs> he's been oxygen deprived for X amount of time. So he's got to recover. Now is his way of recovering, jumping behind the wheel of a BMW and going to a car chase. Yes, but he's not driving incredibly well for the most of that car chase. <laughs> like he is driving like a guy who just died. <laughs> So it's like even you still need your suspension of disbelief with Ethan Hunt for for the sake of movie for the sake of any action movie you need right. that. But he's like, should you be driving? You just you're right. proud. exactly. But he has like he's human, kind of. He's action movie human. Yes. <laughs> he's like, it's like it's like he's is. I'll even specify that even more. He's good action movie human. Not cartoonish action movie human like good, the good, Fast good. And franchise. Good, good, good. He's good, good, good. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, you know, it's just these movies, and this is why I wanted to pick Rogue Nation after Mike picked Fury Road. Watch, and actually it ties into River Rogue, Nana Nation. Yeah, Fury Road, Fifa Fury, River Road, and River Rogue, Nana Nation. Watching both of these movies, it's, they're very fun movies to watch you know they're they're in a movie experience where you can sit on your couch or be in the theater and just be like white knuckled the whole time like this movie is great i'm having a good time this is a fun experience and even though mission impossible fallout the follow-up to this is a bit long like there's it's a little bit too long it's still a great and phenomenal movie and it's got, of course, we got Henry Cavill, quote unquote, cocking his arms like a gun when he's in a fist fight, you know, but it's little shit like that, that, you know, Cruz was probably like Cavill improvised it and Cruz like, keep it in, keep it in. That is fucking awesome right there. Like you have a guy who knows movies as the creative driving force of these things. And 
the fact that it's Tom Cruise. Now, again, personally, say what you want about him. You cannot deny the fact that the dude is one of our best actors. You know, he is an amazing. And it would have been amazing if he showed up for the trial and what we do in the shadows. What, what, what? I'm sorry. What, what, what? Because you're gonna need when it's a W. <laughs> right, the the, the trial in Bubble What we did to do shadows. But I saw that clip of the of the show. It's yeah. I mean I've, the I've trial. Movie. I want to get into the show. That's I'm already halfway. I'm I've I'm already halfway through season two since our last. <laughs> I've watched a season and a half of what we do in the shadows. <laughs> so goddamn good. But, 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 so good. What will we do? Do in. The, 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 I'm, I'm done the, with this bit. I'm not going to do the yeah. bit anymore. <laughs> it's too long. It just goes too long. But I mean, if you want it, well, we're talking about vampires, so we might as well talk about the immortal nature of Tom Cruise. Like you look at him, the big joke about everyone in Hollywood, the three guys in Hollywood that are just immortal. We got Paul Rudd, sexiest man alive, immortal. Everyone knows it. Keanu Reeves, also immortal. There are pictures to prove it. Tom Cruise. Has essentially is essentially immortal too, but he's the one that actually kind of ages. Like he does look a little bit he's different than he did. He's not quite immortal, but you expect his lifespan to be like three hundred years. Exactly. Like <laughs> if you're going to look at an immortal aging or not aging at all or aging incredibly he's more slowly. of an elf than an immortal he's like an elf from lord of the rings where like humans are kind of like they live like a dog's lifespan so like when he's friends with the human he sees them as a dog and then tom right. cruise is actually going to live like 800 years yeah <laughs> like one human tom. year to tom cruise is like a week <laughs> you know <laughs> it's yeah, something tom, like that tom cruise uh, he's definitely in his 50s Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's in his fifties. He's got to be in his fifties. He is uh, fifty-nine. He's almost sixty. Oh my god, that makes <laughs> it even crazier. But like, when you look at this guy, like he is such. It's one of those situations where, like, you want to be like, is Scientology like the key to this? Because he's got such a men, like a mentality of try everything. I'm never gonna die. Even though he is 60 years old almost, most people will be like, you know what? 60 is about the time when I'm starting to get, you know, focus on my grandkids. I'm going to, you know, maybe retire soon. Tom Cruise is like, you know what? 60 is when I'm going to do Mission Impossible 7. 65, I'm getting Mission Impossible 8. 75 is when I kill myself on screen doing Mission Impossible 9, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's going to like, uh, he's going to, I don't know whether he's going to try and hold on to a rocket ship as it flies into space. And that's how, that's how Tom Cruise dies. <laughs> that is probably the craziest thing about this entire franchise. They haven't gone to space yet. But fast There's and furious. Time. I was going to say F nine, two of the characters go into space in a rocket car. And it's almost like, that's the point. Like that's the jump, the shark point or the Black jump, the part. Yeah, since yeah, I'm Black Superman. But like since we're talking about Tom Cruise as the jump the couch part, that right there, like Tom Cruise has somehow kept this franchise of like fantasy spies grounded. Tom and Cruise when you watch crazy these movies, early. Right. It's like when you watch <laughs> these movies, you just go, Holy shit, this might be real. You know, even though you know 
it's absolutely not real. Like, there's no agency else. If there was a real agency like the IMF, this world would be a very different place. You, know? you might have faith in the government if there was. Exactly. <laughs> like, you would believe your government could do something, you know? But, again, you know, it's... I, I can only say so many good things about this movie, other than to say, you know, it's the Mission Impossible franchise. Like, Rogue Nation is one of the highest points. And like Mike said, after two, it just gets better and better. And even with one, like, if you just skip two entirely, it just gets better from one, you know? And it's it's such a hard thing to do with a franchise nowadays. Even Marvel has had its missteps. And they've had their peaks and valleys. Even James Bond has had its peaks and valleys, but Mission Impossible somehow just and gets one better. valley, one yeah. valley. And it was right in the beginning and it just gets better and better. And I think that's because Tom Cruise is that anchor to that franchise where he says, you know what? I am not going to let this be bad. I'm not going to let it happen. And everyone's no. like, you know what? I believe you, Tom, let's do this. Shit, you know, <laughs> And that does raise the food for thought where, I Robert Downey Jr. is obviously the perfect Iron Man. Yes. But if Tom Cruise had gotten the role like initial, initially planned, how would it have gone? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I feel like it would have been a fight between him and Feige. Like Kevin Feige and Tom Cruise would have had creative differences at some point, And someone would have been like, well, Kevin Feige, he's Tom fucking Cruise. So goodbye. <laughs> you know? And Tom Cruise would have been the creating force, creative force of the MCU. And it probably just, to, I mean, even though it is Tom Cruise, it probably wouldn't have turned out like it did. You know, it's, yeah. you don't have the vision that Feige does for that particular universe. Whereas Cruise would have been like, you know what? We're going stunts. We're not, we're not. Century- he, would have tried to, he would have tried to keep it grounded. I think he wouldn't exactly. have gone into the mystical. Well, it may have. I did jazz hands when I did that. The crowd, yes. co- the crowd. Well, that's how you, that's how you signify <laughs> mystical in video. You gotta do mystical. jazz hands. But um, but I feel like Tom Cruise would have kept everything that wasn't fantastical grounded, and the 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 fantastical parts. They he probably would have been like, you know what, Doctor Strange, we gotta get a little bendy with the reality, all that shit. Infinity War, we're doing a little, getting a little bendy, all that kind of stuff, but. I think it would have focused more on the stunts being practical than what Marvel currently does, which is make your set pieces and your CGI action. And then let's write a movie around it. You know, it's, it would have been a story involving stunts. It wouldn't have I been. I think it would have like ended up being a lot of Iron Man where it would have been like more Iron Man versus like the different business villains that Iron Man has. Which. Yeah, I mean, for like the Iron Man movies, probably would have made one, two, and three a great little trilogy, as opposed to like Iron Man two being damn near a watch. You would have gotten a lot. You would have gotten a lot more of things like, um, like Winter Soldier. Yeah, probably, and that's probably absolutely accurate. Yeah, but likewise, we have what we got, which I am much happier for. I'm the fact that absolutely. Robert Downey Jr. got Iron Man and Tom yeah. Cruise is free to make as many Mission Impossibles as he fucking wanted. Because we got the our cake is, and ate it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the craziest thing is like Mission Impossible, then Mission Impossible 1 with Brian De Palma, you go, wow, this is a great one undone movie. And then it's like Mission Impossible 2 comes out with um with Wu, with John Woo, and it's like, well, 
so not all sequels can be great, you know? It's like, then three comes out, J.J. Abrams, Mission Impossible, like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's like, well, we're jumping back up again. Then Ghost Protocol, Road Nation, Fallout. It's like, oh, wow, what have we done? We've made this the greatest action movie franchise of the modern day, you know? <laughs> and then, of course, Fast and the Furious happens. Like, well, if you like Mission Impossible, but your IQ is about 80 and your daily intake of Monster Energy drink is 40, <laughs> you're going to love this franchise. It's like, well, we have everybody covered. You know? Well, it's funny because Fast and the Furious 1, it's like point break ripoff. And then after that, you get into the more like once you, I think once you get to like five, when you get past the uh, past the real car focus and more into like, oh, this is just straight up absurd action. That's yeah. when you go. That's when you go from uh, point break into point break with cars into meathead mission impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really wild. And um, yeah, but we've probably we probably talked enough about that. Yeah. So we could probably uh, wrap things up. So, Ray, I mean, awesome to have you back, buddy. Anything you want to uh, plug or talk about it? What do you got? Uh, some last minute thoughts. Uh, I think The Witch is a good movie. Yeah. I think I, agree. Matt, I, I think it's a good movie. It's just, you know, a little not, slow. For everyone. Not, for, not for everybody. I understand that. Uh, it is an A24 film, so we know it's got a little bit of pretension, you know, a little bit of pretentiousness. Yeah. Um, Mad Max is great. Absolutely fun to watch. Everything about it is spot on. Uh, and I think Rogue Nation is a really good sequel, you know, for late in a, in a franchise, right? Number five. Number five. It's a re- really good, fun movie that still has, like, life in this s- series, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it continues the story. It just really continues the story well. And it's like, wow. All right. But, uh, all right, so Mike, where can uh, people find us on the internet if they want to? So, for your streaming pleasure, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from, thanks to Anchor. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, shoot us a message. We love to hear from you. Yeah. And um, so next week, our best of the decade rolls on with 2016. Now my uh, my lovely wife will be our guest next week, and uh, she's very excited to have us. And I, I will tell you right now, I know our the movie she's going to pick is the Nice Guys, and that's uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. It's it's a Shane Black buddy cop movie, and it's I love it. It's one of it's one of our favorite movies, and uh, she's very excited to talk about that. So hey, it's uh, been a while since Carrie's been on. I'm pretty excited to have her back. Yeah, she's going to be back on. And uh, I'm looking at the schedule here, and uh, we tentatively scheduled Ray for another week coming up. Oh, I think in 2017, maybe, if, if you're available. Because I know uh, we, had, we had somebody else that might be available, but I know he's uh, he's busy with other things. And that might be able to see about JR coming on. Yeah, well, once he gets done his uh, his exams that he has to take for work. Yeah, so we'll, we'll say so, Rafe, if you are available, obviously, you're more than welcome I, to come back. Yeah, it's always a pleasure coming on, so I would love having you on. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's a good time. But a good time whenever Ray's on. But uh, <laughs> next week, it is absolutely my wife will definitely be on. And she'll be talking about the nice guys. And Mike and I will make our picks at some point during the week. And we'll figure out what we're going to talk about. But uh, 2016 is next week. And uh, till then, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And I'm a f- f- fucking his- historian. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you guys in the next to the time. <laughs> so long. <laughs>